what are all the steps we have today in the product and where do we currently require a Cobalt person to do an action. Hello and a big welcome to Hot Sauce where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-growing companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right, Espen, warm welcome. Thank you very much. So tell me, which company are you at and what is your role? So I'm uh, one of the founders of a company called Userflow. Uh, we're basically a company that does, uh, allows other software-as-a-service companies to build uh, onboarding for their products. Uh, so it's like a no-code tool that basically allows you to build things like tooltips, guides, resource center, checklists, etc. Nice. And uh, you're quite a lean team, right? Yeah, so we are only three people, uh, and uh, we are fully bootstrapped. Uh, and yeah, we we are the company is four four and a half years old, and uh, yeah, we're doing really well. We are uh, seven close closing in on seven hundred customers and uh, four point wow. five million plus in uh, annual recurring revenue. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. It's uh, crazy impressive in terms of both bootstrapped and uh, like really efficient per FTE, so to say. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we we really uh, set out to to do that from the beginning, and uh, so far it's been uh, yeah surprisingly uh, successful. Yeah, <laughs> congrats. Obviously, the, you're doing something right, and that's where we're going to talk about uh, today. Um, yeah. First off. Uh, tell me a bit about your your uh, niche and the kind of problems you solve for what type of companies. Yeah, so we focus on uh, B2B software companies uh, mostly. That's ideal customer profile. And it's basically, it's mostly the personas are product managers or customer success managers that are basically looking to improve onboarding uh, for their product uh, and you can say the reason why they want to do that is typically uh, to either convert more uh, customers so through a free trial or freemium or to mm. retain more customers uh, after they purchase um, so that's kind of the, the the main problem we're solving for them so we basically allow them to build these onboarding guides uh, that better converts and retains customers uh, and they can build them without involving developers, uh, so they don't need to spend expensive developer time on on building it. Mm, cool. And what's your average deal size approximately, and also sales cycle? I mean, how complex is it for for you guys to sell your products? Yeah, so we uh, we focused in the beginning, like everybody else, we started out focusing very much on SMB, but we've been slowly going up market. Uh, right now, ASP I think is around five k a year, something like that. Uh, still in the small, in the low end, uh, but we do have yeah. customers who are, you know, uh, uh, high five figures um, uh, customers. Um, 
in AR. Uh, so so we, we we focus completely on a product-led motion, so we don't have any sales-led motion. Um, it's basically a free trial, so the user come to our website, they sign up for a 14-day free trial, and many convert without ever speaking with anybody. So it's a very yeah. product-led growth uh, kind of approach to, to um, go to market. Yeah. And it, it makes sense, right? Because of your, your audience and also the type of problem that you're solving, it makes sense that, okay, they are solving it for us. We might as well implement uh, your product, right? Exactly. Uh, we're kind of, yeah, we're, we're basically eating our own dog food, right? Um, that's yeah. <laughs> But you're responsible for, for growth. What are the other people doing? I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for go-to-market, so growth is my role, but basically everything from uh, making, yeah, Everything uh, that relates to go-to-market, marketing, uh, is support yeah. of the customers, everything. Many hats. And then, and then my uh, co-founder, he's the one building the product. So he's a developer uh, and also, you can say, the product manager. So he's building everything. Uh, and then the last person we have in the company is our designer, uh, Jonas, who basically helps uh, Sebastian be more effective in what he's building. Mm. Wow. That's a... Uh tight team but uh, really impressive once again <laughs> yeah uh, i mean it definitely requires a really strong developer to do what we're doing uh, and sebastian is uh, one of the kind um so so yeah um that that's our unfair advantage you can say yeah and uh, i mean you, you talked about the two problems maybe conversion and retention uh, mm -hmm. can you mention some uh, classic scenarios when customers come to you guys and say we have a problem with x and uh, like how do you go about to solve it what type of motion is it that the customer uh, gets to experience through the trial and through your product yeah so um you would say that most customers come to us exactly with the problem. They want to improve onboarding. So either they have a conversion issue, they're not converting enough users in their free trial or freemium, or they have some kind of retention issue. They might want to provide better self-service support. Um, it can also be that they have great conversion and they have great retention, but it's very human-driven. So that it's basically very sales-led. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of, you know, uh, support people, they have a lot of salespeople, so it's a lot of hand-holding and they want to move more towards a self-service uh, experience. Um, and that's where we come in. So we basically allow them to to build those kind of guides that allow users to self-serve. Um, and the way we do it in our free trial is to exactly like what they should be looking to build is to basically drive the user to these kind of aha moments, right? Um so in our free trial, the very first thing we do is we welcome the user to our platform. Uh, we then show them, uh, actually right now, because we expanded our use cases a bit, we asked them a use case question. So that's, if you have a very tight ICP and, and you know, very narrow ICP and very narrow use case, you don't need to ask that. But as you expand your use cases, there might be a reason why you want to ask the user what are you looking to do, right? Mm. In the beginning, we didn't have that, but now we have that. Um, and then after they do that, let's say they select the use case, they want to improve their onboarding. Then we show them how they can build an onboarding guide with Userflow. And we, we have a guide that basically allows them to build that within two to three minutes. They have a guide. Uh, they basically have built their first, we call it flow. Um, and in that way, they get to the aha moment or aha moments that it's, very easy to build something that, that actually works uh, with user phone. Uh, so within 
two to three minutes of them having signed up for a free trial, they, they get to build something. Hmm. And they get to experience the aha moment, which they are trying to solve. <laughs> exactly. You can say we're lucky in hmm. the sense that we get to showcase our own product while we are show while we're showing our own product. It's kind of like double uh, yeah. because we're using our product to onboard them, right? So they both get to see how they build with our product, but they also see how we use our own product on our product, right? Uh, so it's uh, yeah, very meta. Uh, <laughs> mm. Yeah, definitely. But that's good. That's the best way to sell, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, uh, that's, the, but... that's the primary way we, uh, we get them to that aha. And then after that, we have a checklist with additional kind of uh, things they can do. And we also have a resource center where they can learn more so, so after that initial aha moment, we have a, a, a number of different things that drive, can drive them to additional kind of aha moments and get additional knowledge, basically. Mm. So you're basically first focusing on the aha moment or like time to value and then the checklist after that to maybe invite some colleagues or, or et cetera, et cetera, and then resource to make them deep dive in even more into the product. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, you, you gotta catch them early, and then if you have if you have basically catch their attention quickly, and then oh, they will look for more information as they they go along. Hmm. Hmm. But uh, can you talk a bit about uh, some of the things that you've implemented in your product, or or changes that you've made, perhaps uh, tests or new features or changes that you've yeah. seen has uh, made a huge impact on either adoption, conversion, or customer satisfaction. Yeah, of course. I mean, the onboarding guide would use them, but we, we kind of had that always because it was our own product, right? Uh, so that's that's uh, mm-hmm. important uh, to have some kind of welcome message, have some kind of guidance and a checklist. That That's kind of like great functionality to have to better convert your, your users. Um, uh, one other thing that we focus a lot on is um, basically empty states. So uh, one thing you typically mm. see when users uh, first arrive in a product is that there's either way too much information or no information. Yeah. And you need to find that yeah. good balance of just the right amount of information. So we, we typically have very like simple uh, empty states, but they at least convey some kind of information uh, to the end user. What is this area about, right? Um uh, and uh, that's something we focused a lot on as well on top of our onboarding guides is really to have great empty states uh, inside our product. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, we have all the product-led uh, best practices, right? We have a great knowledge base that's public uh, to the world. We have uh, public pricing, so transparent pricing. Mm-hmm. So you can go and look at what does this product cost? Um, we have our resource center, so you can look for more information. Uh, we even recently, that's a functionality we have in Userflow as well, is our AI assistant. So you can go and ask uh, an AI questions about our product. Um, mm. And then as a last resort, we of course have support. So you can actually reach actual human beings if you have more detailed questions and so on. Um, but that's mm. you know the last resort, but it, we, are, we are still uh, available. And uh, I'm curious now, how many human support questions would you say that you get or have to like handle perhaps weekly since you have all of these <laughs> steps yeah. before? So we have approximately 10 uh, questions a day, basically, or 10 conversations a day, uh, something like that. Um, 
Wow. And the reason why we've been able to keep it at that level is that we always, uh, if we have a recurring support issue in our product, uh, we, we solve it in the product. We don't go out and hire more support staff. Uh, we instead solve it in the product, right? So let's say we have some kind of thing that users are always asking about. Then we realize, okay, we have a UX issue here. Somebody's not understanding the UX of our product. And then we go back and solve the root cause, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's been a big reason why we've been able to um, to keep the support uh, level low. Two other reasons are then a strong knowledge base. So, you know, them being able to search up information themselves. And then lastly, uh, more recently, our AI assistant that can take away a big chunk of the, the questions. Yeah, oh, that's impressive. Yeah. And uh, talking about empty states, I feel... Yeah you are exactly spot on. Either it's too little or nothing, or it's yeah. way too much. Yeah. And uh, usually when do people do a sign up, it's like, okay, this is either completely empty. And when you see the sales rep demo, it's like, whoa, <laughs> it's a completely different product, right? How yeah. do you find that sweet spot? How do you know exactly what to balance and what to show and what not to show? Yeah, I think it's always less is more. Uh, I think that's what you should... And less is more just means... It shouldn't be nothing, but it should be something, right? Uh, I think that's a good way to think about it. Uh, it's like, uh, it's good to have very simplistic landing pages where there's a key focus on something, but there then needs to be some kind of description, like a welcome message, like something that that tells the user what this is about, right? Um, yeah. uh, so it's, I think, uh, kind of um, focus on the 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 least possible explanation you can do. Uh, so it becomes simple and focused, but there's something, right? Um, mm. uh, I think that's the way I think about it, at least. Um, I, I do believe that it's actually much worse to have a very hectic and filled out dashboard or something that you land on than it is to have a completely blank uh, space that they land on. It's often better to then just have a blank space. But the best is if you if you have that kind of perfect uh, message, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, makes sense. And uh, I'm uh, now I'm thinking a bit uh, in terms of the um, um, the first impression, right? Because this last. I can imagine you're talking to a lot of uh, companies out there who are trying to maybe move from sales-led into more product-led. Uh, how would you recommend a leader within a SaaS to do that shift smoothly, maybe step by step? What type of uh, uh, problems have you seen solved or uh, things have you learned yourself? Yeah, so before Userflow, I was actually in a, a founder of another company called Cobalt, uh, which is a cybersecurity SaaS. We grew it to, when I left operationally, uh, it's around 200 people. They're still around that. Um, and it was a very sales-led yeah. software-as-a-service company. Uh, and No, no shit had, when it's uh, cybersecurity, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that was the reason. When we started 10 years ago, you know, all our competition was consultancies. So mm. they were high touch by nature. So we needed to be a bit more high touch um, to kind of sell our, our product, right? Even though we were a, a software as a service company. Uh, but then over mm. time, as the industry matured, uh, we realized now the world is ready for more self-service uh, when it comes to our product. Um, so we actually, uh, we, we did begin a, a, a transition towards uh, product-led growth, um, 
And uh, what we did was uh, initially we um, we narrowed down the scope. Uh, or even before that, we, we got leadership buy-in, right? So that's the number one. If you don't have leadership buy-in, you yep. can't do this. Um, so it was the leadership kind of deciding this. This is what something we want to do. Uh, everybody was aligned on it. Uh, so it's not. it needs to come from the CEO level, basically, that this is something... Uh, you want to do as a company. Otherwise, doing it bottom-up is uh, extremely difficult. Um, mm. so, so, so that's the first thing we have. And then the second thing we did was to narrow down the scope quite a bit. So we um, said we only want to do this for our smallest customers with the simplest use case. So those are the ones we want to focus on. So we're not going to uh, start, uh, you know... Um, uh, building the perfect product-led process that both works for small customers and for large customers. Because if you do that, it's, there are many different scenarios you have to think about. If we just focused on the small customers, it was a simple use case. We could solve, we could uh, move a lot faster. Um, okay. So that was the second thing with that. Uh, and then I would say the biggest challenge of our time was really uh, just moving forward, right? Like uh, getting that culture change to happen because it is really a culture change to move from sales led to product led. Um, so it was, it did take time. There was a lot of cross-functional meetings, a lot of cross-functional collaboration. Uh, and I felt like we maybe we were overthinking too many things and not doing small iterations. Um, so that's a, a hurdle. I think many will meet that they are, the sales-led companies, because it's so ingrained in the culture, are a bit afraid to move to product-led, and thereby they will overthink <laughs> every decision. Uh, so, yeah. so, and then you never move forward, right? It's much better to just iterate and learn, move forward, uh, get something out there, right? Um, mm. So, 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 the, I, Cobalt is still on the journey today, but it, it's definitely it, it was a good decision to to. Um, to take that step to do more product-led because in the end, even though we only focused on the small customers, the bigger ambition was that this should help all the customers. And it did, right? Because we started making more of the product self-serve. We basically outlined what are all the steps we have today in the product and where do we currently require a COBOL person to do an action, right? Um, And then we just looked at all those things and then we said, what can we automate? And where can we remove the um, the couple person uh, by build, building it in the product, basically, right? Um, so that was like what we did on a tactical level was to basically outline all those steps and then one by one remove them either through automation or by solving it in the product. Hmm. So you did like a full mapping of all the different uh, steps. And then after yeah. that assessment, you decided, okay, build or automate. Exactly. Build, automate, or remove. Uh, you'll be surprised how much you can actually remove yeah. by just uh, saying, "Do we really need this step?" Uh, maybe not, right? Uh, especially if you if you narrow mm. your your scope down to the small cost. The, the problem in a sales led culture is you tend to think about every customer in the same way. So you you're basically saying like, yeah. "This customer uh, will need you know this." And uh, but then if you really look at it uh, for a small customer with a very simple use case. They might not need, uh, you know, a high-touch customer success person to to do something that uh, a large enterprise might need, right? Um, 
So in mm. many of the steps, we could actually remove one of, one of the big things we did, which was uh, actually what was something I can recommend others looking to do this, was that we completely removed customer success from our small customer segment. And we did that before we had any of the product improvements and, and automations in place, but it kind of created this kind of burning platform to get it done, right? Because now there were no longer any uh, high-touch customer success. So now you couldn't fill the gaps by having some human um, uh, cover it, right? You really needed to solve it either through automated uh, emails or, uh, you know, uh, solve it in the product or just remove it, mm. basically. Yeah. And when you say customer success, because uh, a lot of companies define that differently, are you referring to actual customer success reps talking to customers yeah. or even support yeah. that shouldn't also be? You know, I think customer. support should always be there. Uh, you know, if there's like react and when I say support, I mean reactive support. So basically people who reach out yeah. uh, want to talk to somebody. But in a product world, you should be tough on and not doing meetings, for instance, you should not like jump on a call whenever the customer has a question. You should always direct them to resources where they can help themselves, right? So the support people are more people who actually kind of like they, they show the right direction, but they don't do the action. Where I, I think what happens in very sales-led cultures is customer success oftentimes ends up doing the work of the customer, right? Yeah. Um, and that's something you really want to avoid in a product world. And that's why it was an excellent decision to just say, we, we're not going to do any form of customer success uh, mm. in, in, um, in, in, uh, in the lower segment, right? Uh, so when I think about customer success, it's really that. It's the, it's the high-touch hand-holding uh, of the customer, basically. Yeah. Ah, makes a lot of sense, and I think that's it's good to start in that uh, end because then you really have to solve the actual problem. Otherwise, it's just gonna uh, keep building yeah. up. And, and I'm not saying it's easier. As I said, Cobol is still on the journey, right? Um, yeah. Moving from sales led to product led is a huge challenge because it's such a culture change, um, yeah. and that's why I recommend all newer companies uh, that they, even though in the beginning when you're starting a, a, a startup. You know, you are. You have to be high touch, right? You have to speak your, with your customers and all that stuff. But really, think product led as your foundation. Like, still do a free trial and a freemium. Make sure you make self service the foundation of your company, and then you can still add sales on top of that. But the other way around, where you are very high touch and very, you know, you cover the gaps with people, it's a lot harder to go that direction uh, from sales led to product led than it is to add sales to a product-led motion. Hmm. Ah, definitely. But on yeah. that topic, you talked about culture. I mean, uh, leadership buying, uh, starting small with a tight scope and then the cultural bit. Do you yeah. think, because I, I completely agree that a lot of organizations probably have a very strong sales culture embedded. Do you think in order to shift that towards a more product-focused thinking or, or growth, do you think you need a product manager to drive that force or should it be the designer the engineers who should like be the stakeholder who owns that <laughs> that mission so to say yeah no it's that's a great question uh one one uh, i've actually written an article on this uh, that i think one of the biggest challenges why we moved so slow when it came to this transition from sales led to product led was the organization because yeah. our organization was built for 
sales-led growth, right? We had a sales team, we had a customer success team, we had a marketing team, we had a product team, we had an engineering team. That's like the classical uh, software as a service organization. Um, but yeah. the problem was that when you do product-led growth, all of those teams need to be working together towards uh, the same goal, right? And they need to, there's a lot of overlap in what they end up doing. Uh, the way we solved it in, in Cobalt, and, and we didn't solve it completely, was to have a program manager who was basically coordinating all the teams and kind of making sure it, it was happening. Um, but what I believe mm -hmm. is we re you really should change the entire organization. If you want to be a product-led company, you should simplify your organization a lot. Uh, I, I see it almost as uh, simplifying it down to just having a go-to-market team and a product team. And the product team has product and engineering and the go-to-market team, uh, they uh, do everything else. So it's kind of mirroring a bit when you look at Sebastian and I. So I'm go-to-market mm. and Sebastian is product, right? Um, and then you scale that yeah. up to, to teams instead. Um, because... Uh, as an example, um, let's take something like sales and customer success. In a product-led world, um, people will sign up for a free trial. They will self-serve. When they ask questions, they're just looking to get answers to questions, right? They're not looking to necessarily be sold. So mm. you can say, do you really need a salesperson to do that, right? Um, or do you just need some kind of product expert? And it yeah. becomes the same with, with customer success it becomes more about answering the, the product questions than it becomes about, you know, high-touch uh, sales or high-touch customer success. So you kind of could merge those two roles into one product expert role, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more like guidance and expertise rather than pitching exactly. over and over again. Exactly. Mm. And uh, once again, I, I agree with a lot of this, and it sounds great, but let's say that you don't have an... <laughs> an organization that looks like this uh, yeah. like optimal structure uh, yeah. how would you recommend companies organization wise to start to shift that culture like what are you doing that creates the, um, the design the user the product focus at your yeah. end are you having some sort of regular interactions or uh, yeah no I think I think you and that's, uh, we, I talked about it earlier, like the leadership buy-in is essential, right? Because what that really is about is the leadership uh, has to be able to explain or convey why we're doing product-led growth, right? Um, mm -hmm. And there's a number of reasons why you would be looking to do product-led growth. Um, one, you want to lower your customer acquisition cost. You want to lower your customer service cost. Um, uh, those are like, economical reasons <clears throat> mm. that the, the ordinary employee might not understand those completely right that's more like a manager kind of thing to look at um, yeah. but what the ordinary employee will understand is that we want to create the best self-service experience for the end user uh, mm. and we're really living in an end user era today where end users want to you know they want to try products they want to uh, they have a lot of power when it comes to buying products. So that's the new modern era that we are building software for. So that's kind of the, the, the vision that the leadership needs to, you know, present to, to the company that we're really mm. building for the future. And it's a future where people want to self-serve. They want to, you know, do things on their own. Um, 
And I think when it comes down to it, people working in a software company, that's something they agree with, right? They understand that. Uh, and actually, that's probably yeah. what they bought into in the first place. Uh, but then they ended up in a more kind of sales-led world. Um, but they, I, I think yeah. they do understand that, that vision, that pure software, that's fantastic, right? Um, and And then... You can say, won't I lose my job if that happens? Uh, no, you won't, because there will always be room for everything around it, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, even though you have a very self-serve product, you can still have salespeople who are there or product experts, as I want to call them, right, to answer questions. But if you have an established called, uh, organization, it's going to be salespeople maybe doing, making sure that uh, people get over the last questions to, to buy the product or it's going to be salespeople who uh, take somebody who did a free trial, maybe bought their base plan, and then a salesperson steps in and gets them to the next, uh, the big tier instead of the small tier, right? Yeah. Um, so there's always going to be room for, for people to, to do assist, as, as some call it. Ah, definitely. I agree. And uh, we talked a bit about uh, product-led uh, Community-led is also another buzzword coming up. Uh, yeah. What would you say is the big uh, difference be- between those and like when are you <laughs> done with mon- one motion and moving on to the next one? Yeah, no, I think it's really, it's too different, very different because you can be sales-led and have a community-led motion and you can be product-led and have a community-led motion. It's probably easier to have a the combination of community-led and product-led uh, because if you want to empower your community to help you, uh, it's easier if they don't have to then refer you to a salesperson who then has to convert them, right? It's a lot easier if the community is actually just able to say, okay, uh, try this product. Here's the free trial link. Sign up here, right? Um, yeah. uh, so so I think the combination of product-led and community-led is, is best, um, but but community led, I see as more you know using a community of people to really uh, one of course drive uh, attention of to your product right. Um, uh, so it's it's really a, a, a first and foremost a big marketing strategy, but over time it also becomes a, a support strategy because you you uh, can have the community help each other, so they can help you know. Um, explain uh, issues in the product they can help uh, uh, share use cases and so on um so so yeah um i think i think for me it's really uh, you can definitely do community led even if you're a sales led business but it's just a lot easier if you if you have the product led foundation uh, to be a community led yeah. uh, business it's more of a low hanging fruit let's say yeah yeah uh, and there are businesses like early startups that are very community-led. A good example is Pocus, which is a sales um, product-led sales tools. They they actually have a sales-led mm-hmm. motion today, uh, but they basically, when they started the company, they uh, they focused a lot on creating a Slack community where people are super engaged in talking about product-led sales and, and things like that. Um, and that's been something that's been driving attention to them even before they had a product. So it was a way to kind of, you know, get a lot of attention, get the brand out there, build a strong brand, even before they even had a product. And then when they launched the product, you know, they they had a, a long list of prospects that were ready to try it, basically. Yeah. 
Well, I, I don't. Uh, I haven't heard of Pocus before. What uh, What's their niche? What's the main audience? So Pocus is a part of these. There were like they, they when they started out, uh, there were like fifteen companies doing this. Uh, now I think they're down to five or something. Uh, but they're basically doing uh, product-led sales, and and many of them are pivoting a bit to different kind of areas in this. But it's basically the idea is if you have a product-led motion, you how do you add sales on top of that? What uh, how can you provide a tool? That gives the salespeople uh, the data they need to, uh, you know, um, to to uh, support uh, to to know when to reach out. Basically, right? Like, when should a salesperson okay. yeah. touch a user who's doing a product motion, doing a free trial or freemium? When is the right timing, uh, and how should they do it? Right? Um, that's kind of the idea behind those kind of tools. Ah, cool. Um... I want to move into a quick uh, or a segment called the quick ones. So I'm yep. going to shoot some quick questions and I want some quick answers. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready. <laughs> At least I All think right. I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah. So favorite tool in your uh, tech stack? Oh, man. Tough one. Uh, Chad Mogul, probably. It's mm-hmm. a subscription tracking uh, tool we use. Okay, <laughs> to see the, the trends go up, 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 basically. Yep, you basically see, you plug yeah. and play Stripe into it, and then you see all your SaaS metrics. It's a beautiful tool. A bit expensive, but a great tool. All right. And um, if um, if I were to ask your team, which question does Esben ask the most? What would they say? <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. we're a small team, so I don't ask a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. uh, but I probably ask Sebastian the most. Can we build this? Uh, and usually yeah. the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, so that's good. <laughs> that's a good uh, co-founder. You want one of those? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. And uh, one thing you use uh, ChatGPT for? Oh, I actually, so I don't know, use ChatGPT a lot, to be honest. I'm, I'm not a, I'm probably too old. Uh, maybe that's my problem. Uh, so the only thing I really <laughs> use uh, GPT for is uh, for our own AI assistant and user flow. So we use it for support, uh, to support our customers. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, freemium, yes or no? And a short sentence on why? Uh, uh, maybe I wouldn't do it myself, uh, but I know others have succeeded in it. Uh, the reason I wouldn't mm-hmm. do it myself is I think it's too noisy. It's a great marketing channel, but it's it adds a lot of noise, uh, and it becomes a channel where it becomes easier to or uh, not uh, harder to find out who's actually potential paying customers who are who are, who will end up paying. Whereas in a free mm. trial, you always know either they convert or they don't convert and you reduce the amount of noise. But it can be a great marketing tool to get a lot of people to use your tool and speak about it. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Good uh, good answer. And I, I guess also it depends on where you're at in the growth journey. If you are going for the buzz and the branding or if it's more like mature. Yeah. I think it can. The problem I see with it is it becomes an excuse for not having paying customers. If you just focus on like having a lot of users, that's not good. Yeah. Always focus on paying paying customers. That's the bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And um, best uh, advice for younger people starting out their career in SaaS. 
Oh, uh, congrats. Uh, I wish I had started my career in SaaS. But uh, yeah, no, just go with the flow. Uh, I think SaaS is, um, is here to stay. We're just getting started. It's been around now since the 2000s, but uh, it's, it's only gonna, it's only gonna grow. Um, as Mark Andreessen once said, uh, software is eating the world and uh, it still is. Yeah. All right. And the last question on the quick ones. Uh, the perfect amount of days or hours in a trial period. What is it and why? 14. It's uh, not, it's <laughs> yeah, not too long, and it's, uh, but it's, it's enough. Um, and if, if people ask for a short extension, you can give that. I think seven days is too short. Um, and, and because if you start, let's say on a Thursday, you'll don't have the weekend, right? Then you just have five days. So 14 days gives you enough kind of days to, to play and invite some team members and so on. Whereas 30 days, it starts, it's also okay, but it starts becoming a bit too long and people will maybe lose, forget about it and, and these kind of things. Mm. Yeah. And uh, on that question, uh, we didn't really get to it before, but let's say you have a 14-day trial, which you, which you do. Uh, what's the average conversion time if they either continue or drop out for you guys? Yeah, actually, we haven't... I, ha I don't have a metric on that, actually. Uh, I know that or you can say within the first five minutes, that's where you need to get them... Act you basically get them... Um, to stay around, right? Um, the way we look at our activation metric is if they spend more than 30 minutes, we consider them activated. Um, mm. And typically, if they go through our onboarding and are there for like the five, five plus minutes, then they will also stay for 30 minutes. Cool. All right, let's leave the quick ones. You did great. And uh, I want to touch one last topic, which is basically talking a bit about the future. I mean, uh, PLG is a very hot community, even more AI exploding and uh, like freemiums are everywhere. Uh, yeah. What's your take on how it will look going forward? What will work and what will not work? I think... Um... PLG is definitely here to stay, and the reason for that is that end users are will continue to become more empowered and to continue to yeah. be expect to self serve basically, right? Um, so, and software is becoming cheaper to both build and and, and and host. So, the more artificial costs you add by adding humans, um, it's not going to be good for you as a company. Um, so, so I think it, it, PLG is here to stay because of that reason. Um, I think what we'll see in the future is that the SaaS, as, at least that's my vision, is that the SaaS org needs to change to, to be fit with that future, right? Like that we will see yeah. this change in the SaaS organization to actually look like an organization that is built for product-led growth. Um, so, so that's my uh, kind of vision for the future is that that's what we're going to see. Um, but yeah, all these things, the end user era, the increased use of AI, everything, right? It's just, it just supports this whole PLG world. Uh, if you look at OpenAI, ChatGPT, highly, highly product-led go-to-market motion they have, right? Um, yeah. And they got world domination in, in no time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and... Uh... Just to round up, you mean basically two teams, one go-to-market and one product. That's that it. That's, 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 that's my suggestion. That's my suggestion. It might yeah. not be the right suggestion, right? But I think 
The problem is today that we are trying to force a new go-to-market model down on an organization mm. that was built for something different. Uh, and that's why I believe it needs to change. Here, here. All right, I'm going to wrap up with uh, my three takeaways from uh, this chat. Uh, and uh, one thing is definitely to map out all the different steps in the uh, product or the interactions to uh, understand which can be removed, built differently, or automated. Mm -hmm. And another one is to remove the um, customer success from the small segment, just do it, <laughs> and then figure out the rest afterwards. Uh, and then if you want to try to move towards a PLG motion, you need to have a clear stakeholder who can take the like product leadership uh, hat on. And that has to get full buy-in uh, culturally and from leadership as well. Yep. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I think that was <laughs> no shocker. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nice. Really good uh, chatting with you, Espen. And on that topic, uh, talking to people and uh, thought leaders within SaaS, do you have any recommendations for me, people to invite, uh, either within this uh, space or something completely different? Yeah, I have three people that are, um, uh, I think would be interesting. One is uh, Wes Bush, who wrote the book on product-led growth. He's an amazing guy, happy to do podcasts, mm -hmm. uh, and, and he can speak a lot more to to product-led growth, especially from when it comes to newly started startups and how they approach it. Um, okay. Then uh, there's Kyle Poya who, from OpenU. Uh, he's an amazing ah, yeah. metrics guy. Uh, can speak okay. not only to PLG, but that's a big, he loves PLG, but he's a really what it, he is, is a great um, metrics guy who understands every single SaaS metric and how they play okay. together and why you should do it. Um, And then the last uh, person I think you should consider is my good friend Vilas, uh, who is he's a 20-year-old entrepreneur from Denmark, building an AI company called Alvis AI. Um, and he's just, uh, his energy is second to none, uh, dropped out of, uh, or never went to university. He, he, he was in high school and then he started a, a company, moved to San Francisco from Denmark and uh, yeah, doing amazing stuff. Um, so he's, a, I think, a very inspirational uh, young person. Awesome. Yeah, the Kyle Polar, I, I follow him and get his newsletters, but the other two, definitely. And uh, I'll uh, add those to my podcast pipe. Sounds good. Cool. Esben, thank you very much for joining me and uh, teaching me and the listeners about uh, PLG and that uh, exciting future. And uh, I wish you and your tight team at userflow all the best going forward thank you uh, all the best to you so now you got me hitting the phones i'm in sales i'm hitting the phones one call closed all right shifting the focus to you that's been listening just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast so hit the link in the episode description there you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes you can also submit ideas for upcoming guests topics or simply upvote what other people have already suggested also if you enjoyed this podcast please share it to someone that might be curious friends co-worker or that random person in your linkedin feed last but not least leave a rating if you enjoyed it while we're at it add me on linkedin to see short video clips from the podcast and enjoy the rest of your day see ya last quarter i smashed my quota short memory i forgot what i sold you sales pro wisdom like yoda i want to witch my prospects at your phone up now you
you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects that you phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone.